The Big 5D Podcast is brought to you by Matchcraft, a global MarTech firm powering local search, social, and display campaigns for partners on six continents. Matchcraft's newest offering is Powered By, an API solution giving third-party platforms access to the technology behind its flagship Advantage platform. Visit them at matchcraft.com. Welcome to episode 25 of the Big 5D Podcast. Brought to you by Big Five Digital. I'm your host, Charles Laughlin. So today we have an interview with Mike Smits, who's the co-founder of Ukesh, a Johannesburg-based fintech that is a essentially a fintech as a service platform. It's not a consumer-facing solution, though it originally was, but it actually provides the basically the plumbing for companies like banks, telecoms, and even other fintechs that want to build financial services or fintech solutions uh, using uh, Ukesh's API-based platform. So basically, they're a plumbing company for the fintech industry. They founded in 2018, and they've made a lot of progress, basically becoming the back end for a lot of major organizations. Uh, They have a big partnership with MasterCard. They provide back-end solutions for Chipper Cash, for example. So they're a big player, even if their brand is not very well known, at least among consumers. So we talked about sort of the nature of their business, how it got started, uh, why it made the pivot that it made, and a lot of sort of the background economics of, of the fintech industry. Uh, it's an interesting conversation for those of you who like to geek out on fintech in Africa and the Middle East. The company has a lot of ambitions to become kind of the fintech as a service platform of record for uh, companies throughout the developing world, Africa, the Middle East, and uh, increasingly Southeast Asia, and they hope eventually Latin America. So we hope you enjoy the conversation. And before we get there, just a quick reminder again that uh, Big Five is back next year with live events. February 17th in Dubai and May 11th through the 13th in Cape Town. So watch our website, big5digital.org, for more details coming up. All right. Hope you enjoy the interview. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for having me. It's our pleasure. Okeshe, is that close enough? Good pronunciation? Close enough. Okesh, Okeshi, it's, uh, we've heard it all. So it's, okay. Uh, well, I have a actually, name. It actually means okay. cash in Zulu. So it's an African language that uh, the origins of the name. Yeah, I have a name that's pronounced four or five different ways. So uh, uh, I'll. I sympathize. So I'll, I'll get it right on uh, next time. Um, okay, so I'd like you to start with, uh, well, let's start with what's your personal background, just very briefly, and then we're going to get into what the origins of Okeje are. So if you could cool. start there. So me, I'm, I'm actually a chartered accountant, uh, but the non-traditional type. So got into, you know, went to the UK for a few years, came back to South Africa, um, and then got into the entrepreneurship uh, journey. So I've been through a number of different uh, iterations. And uh, the latest one was a, a tech startup called Ukesh. Um, we actually started it as a what we call our B2C business. We actually launched a digital bank in South Africa. Um, and, and, and that was almost to be able to bridge the divide between the formal and informal economies. Okay. So if you take it at the moment, you've got, you know, you, you've got the haves who have, you know, cards in their wallet and they've got cell phones and they've got digital uh, ways to be able to make pay- payments, etc. And then you had the have not. So whether it's, a, you know, a, a merchant on the side of the road trying to be able to sell his wares or 
a petrol attendant that you wish to give a tip to, etc. And actually, as our CSI initiative, we built this uh, this way for these informal economies or these informal traders to be able to accept payments. Okay. And I understand that there was a pivot off of that original business. Could you talk about that? Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's quite interesting because uh, we started off and, and we built this, you know, called a digital bank uh, ecosystem. And with that, we bought, built some really cool technologies. So some of my co-founders and, and, and partners are, are uh, the propeller heads and the whiz kids that actually make all the stuff happen in the back end. Mm-hmm. And um, we ended up building this really cool uh, stack to be able to launch fintech propositions. And we'd talk to, you know, whether it's banks or to telcos. And, uh, you know, we got very close to the card associations with MasterCard and Visa. And what we soon realized is that our, our tech could uh, could span multiple number one geographies and number two, um, having our one digital bank that we were launching as a separate offering. For us, it was better to be able to offer it as a service to other people to be able to launch digital offerings than for us to be able to, you know, raise the funding and uh, digitally onboard people, etc. So in about 2019, we actually pivoted the business. We sold off our B2C operation, which is our uh, business to consumer operation. And then- Who'd you sell it to? Was it Telcom? Um, Telcom, correct. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. So so they launched a, uh, it's called Telcom Pay, which is the uh, mobile money operation, all via WhatsApp. So it was actually one of the first in the world. We had a couple of uh, world firsts in there as well, which is quite cool. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the first to be able to launch a um, virtual card via WhatsApp. Um, without having a bank account in the back end. It was uh, purely just a mobile money digital wallet that was in the back end, all via WhatsApp. Um, and we've had a couple of other at first with other customers of ours as well. So, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's been going from from strength to strength. I mean, just, just in South Africa at the moment, we, all the banks, all the telcos are all our customers. And, you know, we, we see ourselves as this fintech enablement platform. So fintech as a service, if you like, where, if you want to be able to launch a proposition, we can either help you with a white label solution or you can uh, build on the top of our APIs, which is the you know, connections that you use to be able to uh, make, make the services, et cetera. Yeah. And yeah, so we've got, you know, as I mentioned, we've got you know, from fintechs to uh, pan-African uh, banks and things that are actually doing business with us, which is really great. Several follow-ups there, but let's start with, you went from the B2C to kind of becoming a platform, right? How does that, how did you think about that? This is the softer question. How did you think about that in terms of your financial inclusion mission? Do you feel like this is a better way to reach it? Or did you feel like just, that just wasn't a reachable thing for you? Kind of, how did you think so, about it? So one, so one of the things we learned is that when you're launching a um, financial proposition, especially if you don't have a brand in the market, it is very difficult. Mm-hmm. So the trust factor that goes with it, you know, you're this brand, you know, people need to put money into this thing called Okesh. And, you know, once we actually showed it to people, they loved it and were using it, et cetera. But it, was, it wasn't something where, you know, you could send them a, a WhatsApp or an SMS and they go, this is fantastic. Let me sign up because, you know, there's a whole trust factor with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, acquiring customers is expensive. Yes, so, sir. you know, we'd have to raise uh, a lot of money to be able to continue growing the way that we were. And I think, you know, when we were talking to these you know, fintechs and uh, other telcos, et cetera, that were trying to launch their own propositions, we realized that, you know, they've got the brand, they've got the marketing awareness, et cetera, that's there. So 
from a financial inclusion perspective, it's actually better if you get a telco or a bank who's a trusted organization to be able to launch these products into the market uh, versus a little fintech like us. Sure. So, um, so yes, it was uh, very easy for us to make the decision. Um, it did take us a while, though, to be able to transition across. But uh, as I said, it's gone from strength to strength, which is great. Okay. That's, yeah, it's interesting. So, um, what's, so the idea of fintech as a service is interesting to me. So, you know, I can see it makes perfect sense. Somebody has a brand and a marketing operation and the, the resources to, to acquire customers, but not the back end technology. There's the obvious ones you mentioned, the banks, telcos, et cetera. You also mentioned fintech. So what does a fintech platform like you do for an existing fintech that they can't already do for themselves? Where is your magic sauce? So I think, you know, from our side, number one is the amount of integrations and things that we've got and that we've built up over time. So we learned how to be able to build a fintech because we did it ourselves. Yeah. And we applied those learnings to um commoditize it if you like across the different markets so if you have a look let's use south africa as an example um, in south africa we've got a sponsor bank relationship with nedbank um, so they've been great in terms of everything that we've been doing we've got what's called bin sponsorship as well so we can actually mm-hmm. I- issue let's say mastercards visa cards whatever it is on the back of our uh, our own licenses and things that we've got so if you've got a you know as an example one of our customers is chipper cash which is a cross-border remittance company right um so they've just launched in south africa on the back of us now if they had to go and launch themselves without utilizing us they would have to go and get their own sponsor bank relationship they'd have to apply for multiple different licenses to be able to do it Mm -hmm. um and that process takes number one a lot of time um and number two a lot of money to be able to do it Whereas with us, they could literally just plug into us and say, thank you very much, let's move. And we enable all the services for them. Mm-hmm. Now, we've got a pan-African deal with them as well, which means that actually what that one set of integrations that they've done with us can now apply in Zim or in Zambia or in Mozambique or in Lesotho or in Kenya, et cetera, because we're pan-African and we launch across, uh, across Africa. So again, for them, they want to focus on the marketing side. They want to focus on their USP, not in the plumbing in the background to be able to make it happen. Okay. We got the economies of scales because we do it with multiple fintechs, banks, et cetera. So how much uh, of the fintech industry is built this way with uh, um, versus natively created uh, solutions? Um, I think it's it's becoming more and more that way, especially with you know open banking type of uh, right. uh, drives, et cetera, across the, across the world. You know, it's it's very interesting. So people always ask us, you know, what what is your competition? So our competition is exactly what you've said, build it yourself. Mm-hmm. But for somebody to actually go in and build it themselves, they would generally speaking have to integrate with, you know, five, six, seven, whatever it is, different vendors to be able to build a proposition. They would then have to go and sign up banking relationships, which is not easy. They would then have to go and do, you know, uh, compliance and uh, regulatory hurdles that they needed to cover, et cetera, to do it. So this fintech as a service, it just means that you're enabling the guys on a very light capex model to be able to grow. So our business model is we grow with you. We charge you, you know, transactional type fees, et cetera. And as you grow, we grow. And the other sort of thought that popped into my head with fintech as a service, and part of this was watching a YouTube video just shortly before we started talking, that just one of your promo videos. And yeah. uh, the idea thought popped in my head, so where does this go in terms of turning i think the phrase being used is transform your business into a fintech 
obviously it's marketing talk, but um, where what's the extent of that? I mean, what is there like any business could become a fintech, or is there a fairly narrow well, band? It's it's very interesting. So you know, everybody traditionally thinks of you know the fintechs as being the telcos and the banks. Right. Um, so you know, whether it's mobile or natively created fintechs, right, right, disruptive fintechs, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, correct. But uh, but you now go into you know the FMCG companies. So mm-hmm. whether you Coca Cola, right. whether you're ABN, Bev, etc., that now needs to do last mile delivery, and their last mile delivery traditionally has been based all on cash. So with COVID and with uh, obviously the risks associated with cash, all of them are trying to be able to convert and and launch a fintech proposition to take cash out the equation. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a you know we've got a we've got a contract that we've signed now with uh, with DHL for example, so they again due to last mile delivery, um, and there's there could be uh, payments that are necessary before the goods can be handed over. Same scenario. It's you know traditionally they have to accept cash. There's the cost of cash. There's everything else that goes with it. If you can convert that very easily across to a digital mechanism to do it, it's uh, it's in everybody's interest to be able to do that. So I think you're right that you know fintech used to be a realm where you know it was uh, not many people wanted to venture into it because of all the regulatory hurdles, etc. But more and more. Every business wants to uh, pivot and have a fintech division to be able to, you know, assist with their receiving of money. This is backing up a little bit, but you said something earlier that interested me. Um, where you said part of the reason you didn't want to pursue the B two C, and you've made a very clear case, um, was that we'd have to raise so much money. So, is your model sort of a light cap light capital model in the sense that you don't have to raise a lot of money to have a lot of success? Uh, and I, I don't know if you, I f- actually forget if you've disclosed your fundraising, but if you can tell me how much have you raised and is it a lot less than you would have had to have raised? In other words, has this worked out well from your cap, from a cap table perspective for your business? No, it is. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's the business is still uh, majority controlled via the founders, which is great. Uh, we are actually on a fundraising drive at the moment, but the fundraising drive is to fund expansion into multiple markets. Okay. So we've got, uh, you know, we've got aspirations to be in, you know, 40 markets in the next, uh, in the next two, three years. Um, and that comes at a cost. So sure. the fundraise is literally to be able to expand into multiple locations. Um, and it's on the back of, you know, the success that we've had and also our association with the card associations, as an example. So MasterCard and Visa, um, there's a lot of digital propositions that they want to be able to launch into market, et cetera. But we're almost the, the fintech enablement arm of them uh, launching some of their technologies into the markets. So specifically in Africa, uh, Middle East, or, or yeah. So it's our focus is all on developing markets. So at the moment, it's Middle East, Africa. We are doing uh, having quite a few conversations in Southeast Asia. Okay. Um, and then in the next few years, we'll, we'll move across to LATAM as well. So Latin America. But uh, for now, the focus is Africa, Middle East. And then uh, hopefully we'll be closing some deals coming through shortly in, uh, in Southeast Asia. Very interesting. So could you talk further about your relationship with MasterCard and kind of what they are they an investor, for example? Um, you know, what is how, what, what is the structure of the relationship that you can tell me? No, it's, uh, it's purely commercial. Um, so... You know, as I mentioned, that we're still founder controlled. We, uh, we we like to be agnostic yeah. um, in that. Uh, you know, although we've had approaches by banks and telcos and uh, you know card associations, etc., to invest, 
Um, it's very difficult if you've got MasterCard as a big uh, brand on the cap table and then you want to go and do a visa opportunity. Or alternatively, if you've got a bank that's on your cap table and now you've got another bank that wants to launch an, op uh, an opportunity and you go, wait a minute, I'm not supporting. Yeah, yeah. It precludes uh, other opportunities. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so, so as a result of that, we've tried to be agnostic. Um, so the fundraising that we are doing is, is focusing on funds uh, to be able to, um, to raise cash. Okay. So broadening the lens a little, I'm, I'm interested, you, you, your business seems to be really built on APIs. I, I don't know, I'm not a technical person, but that's my sense of it. Right. Um, yep. Could you talk, particularly in emerging markets and specifically in that context, how important are APIs as an engine of sort of making all this happen? I mean, I, I hear the term API economy thrown around a lot, but could you give me a big picture sense of how important yeah, APIs sure. are for this? Yeah. I think, you know, anything that you want to do digital, and when I say digital, most people think digital is only apps. No, it's not. Right. So digital uh, from a platform perspective could mean, you know, if you're going on in Africa, USSD is a, is a big channel. So, you know, where you go star 120, star, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, so if you want to be able to purchase airtime or data via a USSD channel, there's still APIs in the background that all facilitate that and make it happen. Mm -hmm. If you've got a chat-based or an app-based or a web-based uh, platform to be able to initiate a payment or get paid, so you know, everything runs on APIs all in the background. So mm -hmm. there's uh, very little that actually happens uh, without uh, initiating an API um, in the payment space. So from a fintech perspective, definitely. And, and one of the things that, that we've done very well is that Everything that we've built has been, you know, cloud native and API first. Mm -hmm. So all of our channels are all API driven. Even, even our, if you go so, so far as to have a look at our, you know, platforms that we use from a support perspective, it's all API first. So, you know, our customers can actually plug it directly into their existing support channels if they want to be able to, uh, you know, go and investigate what happened to a payment or where the money's gone or, you know, what, you know, you get a customer that phones up and says, uh, please stop this payment as an example. Those type of things all get initiated via APIs. So, mm -hmm. so yes, I think uh, finance runs on APIs. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. And again, backing up to something you said a few minutes ago about market expansion and how you're raising money for that. Question comes to me that, you know, I've talked to others about market expansion and they tend to be Others that are doing sort of, if they might be B2B, but they're customer acquiring branding, branded businesses, trying to, you know, move a business they built in, in Nairobi to, to Lagos. Um, how is it different for you to expand markets and why is it costly for you, um, given that, you know, you're a sort of background kind of business? Uh, what, are, what are the hard costs associated with market expansion for you that are different from a say had you been a b2c still been a b2c company um so i, I think you know being a b2c company your 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 tech um migration costs would be the same mm -hmm. so you know for me to be able to open up a new market um i have to you know switch on the bank sponsorships do integrations with them i need to do a whole bunch with visa and mastercard for example to 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 enable a bunch of services there mm -hmm. i need to be able to switch on you know acquiring services as an example to be able to receive payments etc so there's costs associated with that and as i mentioned uh, uh, earlier our business model is um is monthly recurring revenue so transactional based uh, fees etc 
So I really wish that uh, I would go into a new market and switch on a customer and I'd get a million people that were you know, active and I was billing for on day one. But the reality is, is when you launch a digital fintech opposition or proposition, there's a there's a time frame that you go to to be able to get to scale. So like we, right. you know, statistically, you look at it, the S curve. So it right. starts off slow, starts off slow, then starts getting faster and faster as you get more and more adoption that takes place. Yeah. So from our perspective, we fund that cycle while our customers are actually scaling. And hence the reason why we're going after the funding. Yeah. So what one disadvantage of being a, a platform partner is that you're at the mercy of your customer's success, right? <laughs> you're both... Yeah, that is the one drawback, right? Or there may be others, but that's certainly one. Yeah, I think uh, yes and no. So, you know, we've had these conversations multiple times. And uh, I think, you know, our our aspiration is to be the, the plumbing in the back end of any fintech or digital uh, digital uh, um, proposition that's out there. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I use the analogy of, of horse racing, if, uh, if you've got 15 horses that are all running, and you're backing 10 of them because of you've got uh, your your technology that's running in the back of 10 of them. Mm-hmm. Yes, you will get winners and yes, you will get losers. But, you know, the chances of you actually uh, hitting a couple of home runs as a result, it's much, much more likely right. than if you're only backing one horse. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, I want to wrap up with a couple of sort of broader questions um, kind of about um, specifically Africa, Middle East. But um what do you think are some of the remaining const- major constraints um, for sort of you know growth of the small business of small business financial inclusion? Just, uh, you know, and, I mean, what what is holding the market back? I mean, I know there's a lot there's a lot of great things happening, but what are the things that make your jobs your your success harder? And that could be regulatory, it could be technological, it could be social, political, whatever it is, but kind of what are the things that you would like to see changed in order to grow faster? Yeah, it's, it's you know, yes, definitely regulation is one of them. Um, you know, everybody thinks that the technology side of it is is the difficult part. The technology mm-hmm. side is the easy part. Um, it's getting adoption, getting scale. And and that's, a, that's teaching people, it's education. It's, you know, if you have a look at Africa, Africa, still 80% of transactions that still take place are all done via cash. Right. You know, how do you change that mindset to be able to allow them to receive digital payments that they trust? Um, and, you know, there's there's markets where mobile money has taken off. If you look at, you know, the the, the poster child of M-Pesa in, uh, in Kenya or an Echo Cash in, in Zim, as an example, they've they've really done well to be able to launch digital fintech propositions with mobile money. Mm-hmm. But there's still challenges there as well. So I think, you know, overall, it's being able to, to, get, to, to, get, to educate people that actually it, it's, it's better to use a digital, it's safer to be able to use a digital channel. And you have to make sure that you're actually solving a problem for them. If right. you're not solving a problem, then, you know, why would they change? Right. Well, I was uh, talking with someone from MasterCard and, and another role I have, I was running an event in the States and there was gentleman from MasterCard who actually is in charge of a lot of their fintech investments. And um, uh, he said, our number one comp- competitor is cash, you know? Correct. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly and so right. How, how can we get less cash? Uh, circ- well, I mean, it's all circulate and, and electronically, but yeah, physical cash. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. And, and that's why the likes of a MasterCard likes us because, uh, you know, we're, we're helping businesses to be able to launch those propositions to be able to get cash out the ecosystem. 
So, um, you know, although they, they love to be able to say that they've got all of these great pieces of technology, but actually plugging all of them together and making them all work in an environment is quite complicated. Mm -hmm. um, so, and we're trying to dumb that down, if you like, by having a single set of APIs that somebody can come in and plug in and, and just utilize. So mm -hmm. definitely. So one last uh, topic that I, I've always enjoy raising, uh, which is uh, digital currency. Um, you, I, I understand that you, you, uh, your platform enables uh, acceptance of digital currency. Is that correct? Where yeah, is so, that? So, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. So yeah, so so yes, we definitely do. So ours, you know, all of our our um, funds, etc., all under underpinned by a banking instrument um, that sits with a financial institution. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, I mean, even you know, you, you you look at crypto. So you know, the the Bitcoin and things like that. We've actually enabled people to be able to create Bitcoin type wallets, etc., on the back of our technology. So we're agnostic in terms of what the store of value is. Mm -hmm. um, if there's a if there's a demand for it, we'll plug it in and make it happen. So, right. um, but digital definitely, it's uh, there's multiple different iterations of it. Whether it's a bank account, whether it's a mobile money account, whether it's a card based solution or a crypto based solution. Yeah, I guess I was referring specifically to crypto. I guess the question I was wanted to ask was, yeah, where is it in terms? I mean, if if it's flowing through your your, your network, what kind of activity are you seeing with it? And are you seeing growth? I'm I'm always curious uh, whether there's traction there. And uh, so I always, anyone who's touching that, I always ask them, are you seeing any evidence of traction on crypto as a means of exchange, for example? Um, so, so we utilize uh, crypto as a store of value uh, that gets underpinned in our platform. Um, are we seeing an increase in it and a demand for it? Yes, we definitely are. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also a lot of horror stories that have come out in recent times where, mm -hmm. you know, exchanges have stolen people's money and all sorts of things right. like that, where uh, people are becoming more wary on uh, on what they actually do. So right. I also think that it, uh, it depends on the LSM scale where you are. So, um, you know, if you lower down the LSM scale and uh, it's about financial inclusion, they're not really worried about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Okay, fair enough. Okay, last question is, um, so... What's the ultimate end game for you guys? Um, you know, world domination. Are, are you ever going to go? Uh, are you ever going to pivot back to having your own branded products? Um, are you always going to be a platform? Uh, what sort of your grand vision? To the degree you can tell me. No, hundred percent. So, so I think you know, big, hairy, audacious goal. We, like I mentioned, we want to be able to launch in multiple countries. Mm -hmm. So, you know. If we can be the fintech platform that most people go to to be able to utilize across uh, multiple markets and jurisdictions, so whether that's Africa, whether it's Southeast Asia and into Latin America, um, that's what our goal and our drive is. So, you know, commoditize fintech so that uh, it makes it easy for people to be able to launch fintech propositions because it's good for the end user. If you can commoditize it, it means that people can launch these products very quickly and easily on an regulated manner. And then it's focusing about the needs and what are you actually solving versus having to worry about all the backend regulation and integrations and everything else that takes place. Okay. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for your time. Enjoyed the conversation. Awesome. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thank Bye. you.